Well, hey there, Valley Creek Church. It's great to be with you. Let's do this. Let's give each other a big welcome from whichever campus you're at, Denton, Flower Mound, Louisville, the venue, wherever you're joining us online, let's join together, welcoming each other. So, hey, it is a blast to be with you, and we have been having a blast with Summer at Valley Creek. And we're wrapping up Summer at Valley Creek, and man, it's been so fun. We have had food, we've had games, we've had a great time together. We've just been creating space for us to just hang out, just hang out as a family, hang out as friends. And how about those sprinkled donut holes? Man, aren't you so glad that church carbs don't count? We went to town on those things. It was awesome. But I hope you keep making space to hang out with each other. It's been good. And we've been in a series called One Another, taking ground in our relationships. We've been looking at what the Bible says and how the key to taking ground in our relationships is through the one another's in the Bible. Things like encouraging one another. And there's no such thing as too much encouragement or kindness to one another. That it's not random kindness, it's intentional kindness or peace to one another. That we are peacemakers and we take peace everywhere we go. And we're going to wrap the series up with one more this week. And it's this, bearing with one another. Bearing with one another. So let's look at what Paul says about this in Ephesians. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So I get it. Bearing with one another, that's, that's kind of a weird term, but we all know what that means, right? No, you don't. I have a clue what that means. Like bearing with one another, like we don't, we don't use that very often. Another translation says having tolerance for one another. Another one says making allowances for each other's faults. Basically, bearing is this. It's persevering. It's being faithful. It's enduring. It's giving the grace and the space to fail. It's helping and serving. You can really sum it all up with this. Bearing is not giving up. It's not giving up. And I feel uniquely qualified to talk about bearing with one another because we recently just got back from a long extended family road trip. And uh, so we, we, we did the Pacific Coast Highway. We started in Central California and went all the way up the coast, all the way across Oregon and into Southern Washington. And um, man, it was, it was long. It was, <laughs> it was 12 days, four kids, one minivan. There was a lot of bearing. I mean, imagine if I spent the rest of this message and I just asked over and over, are we there yet? How much longer? Can I go to the bathroom? Can we eat? Are we there yet? How much longer can we go? I mean, like a million times over and over. That's a lot of bearing that happened. And uh, I mean, it was the best of times. And it was some other times. And uh, we, we had some fantastic times as a family. But one of the, one of the highlights was the Redwoods. Okay, we, we spent an entire day trekking the National Redwood Forest. And if you've never been to the Redwoods or you don't know a lot about them, okay, it, it is surreal. It is about, it's about a 40-mile stretch in every direction of these giant trees. I mean, the smallest tree that's there is bigger than any tree in this state. I mean, they're incredible. I mean, there was one that we came across that it took me 43 steps to walk around the base of this tree. To give you some perspective, I mean, they're massive. It doesn't even feel like you're on the same planet. It's a surreal experience. And as we were walking around there, I really, I got this thought. I thought, you know what, this, this is a picture of what bearing looks like. That through bearing a long time, they have grown deep and wide and tall 
and strong. They become something magnificent that other people are drawn to. People come from all over the place. But it's been through season after season, decade after decade, through all the challenges, through the fires, through the weather, through whatever has come, they've continued to bear with one another. And they've, they've actually fostered and created this environment where they thrive and where they're actually protected by each other. Because they couldn't do it alone. Like you'll never see a solitary redwood. And I thought, you know what? This is also a picture of what our lives and our relationships can and should look like when we're willing to bear with one another. That when we do it season after season, through the challenges, through the changes, that our relationships grow deep and wide and tall and strong. And we actually create an environment where we thrive and where the relationships protect each other. And we become like that redwood forest. Other people are, are drawn to that. And if I'm honest, like I wish my life was a better picture of that. Because I've, I've realized that I, I struggle bearing with other people and, and I'm actually, I'm kind of difficult to bear with. And there's some, some unique things about me that, that make it hard. Like I've, I've realized I live life at a very hurried pace. I just hurry to everything. And that makes it really frustrating for my friends and for my family. And, and, it, and it makes it difficult for me to bear with people because I'm just, I'm always moving so fast. And then I'm a very extreme person. Everything with me is, man, I love it or I hate it. It's the best or it's the worst. It's hot or it's cold. There's, there's no gray with me. And that, and that gets difficult for people to bear with. And, and like, I love change. I love change and I like fast change. And for the 99% of everyone else, and they don't like that. It's difficult to bear with. And, and kind of a, a, a tough confession is, like, I'm, I'm a complete extrovert. And so it's really easy for me to, to meet people and to talk to people and to get to know people. But I realized... I've also thought that, you know, and people are easily replaceable. When in reality, no one is replaceable. But I've seen that take a toll on the relationships in my life. And I've seen that instead of being surrounded by this forest of redwoods, like there's a handful, but honestly, there's a lot more just space. And, and I have to doubt that I'm the only one who struggles with this. Because people are annoying. Like people are really... <laughs> annoying. I'm sure like nobody in here, nobody you came with, but everybody else is really annoying. Like the way that person talks that just drives you crazy. Like he's a close talker. He talks too far away. They're too introverted. They're too extroverted. She's so inconsiderate. He's so thoughtless. They're so needy. They have so much drama. I mean, people are hard to bear with, but it's interesting that we'll find ourselves much more willing to bear with somebody early on. Like when you're dating someone, or when you're newly married, I mean, you'll put up with all kinds of stuff. But after a while, you don't put up with nothing. I mean, nothing. You're like, seriously, can you not just push the toothpaste up from the bottom and like keep it nice? Do you have to just crush it in the middle and leave it all mangled? I'm done. Or like, did you seriously just put basically an empty carton of milk back in the refrigerator? Like, I'm, I'm out. I'm done. I mean, we quit bearing with people, and we see it in all our relationships. I mean, in-laws and friends and coworkers and in our church family. We start with a willingness to bear with one another, but then it's gone. What happens? Where did that go? I think what happens is that we lose hope. We lose hope. We look at what is, and we don't like it, and we lose hope. And when you start to lose hope, you start to look for a way out. And then instead of bearing with them, we bail on them. And that is the primary reason that we lose ground in our relationships. We stop 
bearing with one another. We stop persevering, we stop helping, we stop hoping, we stop bearing, and we just bail. And sometimes it's more subtle, like we'll just kind of stop working on the relationship or we'll stop investing in it. And sometimes it's really overt. I mean, we'll unfriend you, I will block you, I will not speak to you, I will say all kinds of bad stuff about you, but, you know, it's really overt. And, and understand this, like, when I'm talking about bearing with relationships, I'm not talking about dangerous or abusive relationships. I'm talking about the relational stuff that we all deal with. Unmet expectations, mistakes, disappointments, frustrations, failures. And if we're really, really honest, like really honest, how much more willing are we to bear with a hobby or a job than some of the most important relationships in our lives? Like how many times does golf or gaming or shopping just kick you in the face and you will come right back to it? Like you'll go out and shoot a 90 on the front nine and then break your driver, toss your putter, and then set that tee up for the very next, you know, that tee time up for the very next Saturday. I mean, go right back to it. Or how many times do you show up day after day, year after year to a job where you are mistreated and you are used? But when it comes to the people in our life that are worth so much more than a job or a hobby, someone makes a mistake, someone disappoints, someone fails, and we look for the way out. We look for a way out instead of going for a way forward. Because here's the thing, if you, if, if you haven't started taking notes, if you're not paying attention, just pay attention to this. When it comes to bearing with one another, this is the secret sauce right here. That when you stop looking for a way out, you'll always find a way forward. When you stop looking for a way to leave, you'll find a way to stay. That is the key. When you make a decision, when you resolve inside of you, I'm not looking for a way out, you will find a way forward. But how we do that matters. It really matters the way you go about doing that. So go back to the scripture we started with in Ephesians. Paul gives us a really specific way. He says to be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be humble and gentle and patient. Those three things are the key. Humility, gentleness, and patience. This is how bearing with one another is different than just tolerating or putting up with somebody. You do it with humility and gentleness and patience. But I get that that, that, that sounds really hard. Do I really have to do that? If we want to take ground in our relationships, we actually do. Let's go back into this scripture and kind of look at it in full and highlight some of the other words. Paul says, I urge you, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. It's pretty strong language he's using there. It's like, this isn't optional. It's a command and it's an urgent command. Why do you think Paul was so strong about that? I think it's because he was so impacted personally by somebody bearing with him. You see, Paul is credited with writing most of the New Testament. And so we can kind of put him on a pedestal and like Paul had it all together. He didn't have any problems. When in reality, he struggled bearing with other people. And he wrote three times about bearing with others. In, in Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Paul writes about bearing with others. But before he does that, there's some things that happen back in the book of Acts that I think shed some light on where that all came from. It's in Acts 13 through 16. And so what you see is there's an opportunity where, where you see Paul 
struggles to bear, and then you see him needing someone to bear. So in Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas are, are going on these missionary journeys, like just going and sharing Jesus. And, and it says they bring Mark along with them, and he's going with them. And at some point, it says Mark leaves and go back, goes back to Jerusalem. Seems like no big deal, but apparently that really got under Paul's skin. Because two chapters later, in chapter 15, Barnabas and Paul are getting ready to go on a missionary journey again, and Barnabas wants to bring Mark again. And Paul's like, no way. He is not coming. I'm done with Mark. And it says the disagreement between them is so sharp that Paul refuses to even go with Barnabas. And so Barnabas goes and takes Mark with him. And so we see that Paul really operates by the one strike rule. He's like, man, Mark, you left us. Strike one, you're out. I'm done. I'm not bearing with you. Barnabas, you disagree with me? Strike one, you're out. I'm not bearing with you. And then now he's comes himself to a situation where somebody's going to need to bear with him. So he goes and brings Silas on this next missionary journey with him. And I'm like, Silas, he's probably like, man, this is great. I get to hang out with Paul. We're going to share Jesus, have these great adventures. It's going to be so fun. So they head off to Philippi and it says there's this demon possessed girl that is following them around all day, just yelling stuff at him. And Paul finally gets tired of it. And so he turns around and he casts the demon out of her. And that's awesome. But a whole bunch of people get really upset about that. And so they end up stirring up the town leaders and they come and they arrest them. They strip them, they beat them with wooden rods, and then they throw them in prison. Okay, I want you to catch that Silas really gets the short end of the stick here. Like, it's pretty crummy for Silas. I mean, Paul just invited him on the journey. Paul's, Silas is like, man, it's just it's going to be fine. We're sharing Jesus. And then Paul casts this demon out. People get upset about it. And Silas ends up arrested, stripped, beaten, and thrown in prison. I mean, if anybody had a reason to bail on Paul, it was Silas. If anybody had a reason to kind of distance himself, it was Silas. However, the very next verse, it says at midnight, they're in prison together. They are praying and singing together. They're having a night of worship. And this earthquake hits that breaks off their chains, opens up the doors and sets them free. And that's really cool. But, but kind of back that up and, and let's acknowledge those circumstances. Those are some really crummy circumstances like I don't know if any of us can fully identify with kind of because of somebody else we get we get arrested and stripped and beat and thrown in prison but I bet all of us can probably relate to someone else does something and we catch the fallout for it like maybe it's a teammate it's a coworker, it's a friend it's a spouse they do something you get blamed you reap the consequences now is that fair no but what do you do when that happens? How do you respond? Do you write them off? Do you lecture them? Do you blast them publicly? Because there's no record of Silas doing that. It says he was praying and singing with Paul. It's evident that Silas had made that decision that he was not looking for a way out. He was find, looking for a reason to stay and he had found that by bearing with Paul in some really bad circumstances. And he did it with humility and gentleness and patience. He didn't place himself above Paul. He didn't lecture Paul. He didn't bail on Paul. He bore with him in the circumstances. And it's really the same thing with, with the burden. I mean, can you imagine what the burden that Paul was carrying? I mean, it was his fault. He didn't mean for any of this to happen. But he was the one that had invited Silas and he was the one who had cast out the demon. But, and now here his friend is stripped and beaten and in prison because of him. I mean, I'm sure he's just the weight of, of discouragement and guilt 
He's carrying it. And we see Paulus had already made the decision. I'm going to bear this with him. He didn't pile on more by saying, man, look what you did to us. I mean, you got us into this. You get us out. He came alongside him and said, I'm going to bear this with you. I'm going to pray with you. And I'm going to sing with you. And we see that it just, it led to an incredible miracle. It led to their physical freedom. But even more so, I think it led to a, a new freedom in Paul's heart. When he saw the revelation of what it was like when someone was willing to bear with him. Now, we, we can hear this and we think, man, we do that all the time. I put up with my neighbors. I put up with my boss. I put up with my coworkers. I put up with my teachers. I put up with my parents. I put up with other people that annoy me or whatever. But here's the thing. What if we don't settle for putting up with people? What if we take ground by bearing with people? And what that looks like practically, like, okay, all right. So how do we practically bear with one another? It's really just like it was with Paul and Silas, circumstances and burdens. That's the stuff that's going to happen, or you could just call it life. Life is going to have circumstances and burdens, but those are the two things that will trip you up most of the time. So if we're going to do this, if we're really going to take the ground, you got to bear with one another's circumstances and burdens. You just got to kind of make the decision. I'm going to bear with other people's circumstances and their burdens. Because here's the thing, like relationships, man, they get crazy. Crazy stuff happens. And, I, and I'll be the first to admit, like I've looked at the circumstances in other people's lives and like, nope, I'm not going there. I'm not even gonna step into that. And I'm sure you felt the same way. Because, man, just crazy stuff. People get sick. People make mistakes. People fail. People have drama. People fight. And so do we, because we're people too. And what happened, or, or how good does it feel like when, when your life is spinning out of control and people don't bail on you, instead they bear with you? I mean, it gives you hope. And so Paul writes some really great instructions about, okay, if we're going to really bear with each other's circumstances, this is how we do it. In Colossians, Paul says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, as Valley Creek Church, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. I love that the Bible uses the word clothe there. Because think about that. The first thing you see when you see someone is what they're wearing. It's the first thing you see. So what it's saying is this should be just as visible outside as it is inside. So it's not just your intention. So imagine how differently you would approach circumstances if you were actually clothed in these qualities instead of things like judgment and anger and jealousy. So here's something we could all do. Just an easy thing to do. It's just you could start every day taking a moment and just inviting the Holy Spirit to fill you and cover you with humility and gentleness and patience. And it's not, it's not that difficult. Literally, like take just a moment at the start of your day and just say, Holy Spirit, right now, would you just fill me, fill my heart Fill my mind, fill my spirit, cover me with humility. Cover me with gentleness. Cover me with patience. Thank you. And go. It's that simple. Or you can, when you're going into a circumstance, when you're about to just step and walk right into it, just stop and think, what am I wearing right now? Am I wearing pride or humility? Am I wearing anger or gentleness? Just take a moment 
And then maybe just invite the Holy Spirit into that and what you need to put on and what you need to clothe yourself with. It will dramatically change the way you respond and how you will be much more willing to stop looking for a way out and instead look for a way to bear with those circumstances. You know, we got into some crazy circumstances on this road trip we were on. So we, uh, we were in San Francisco and had this great idea. You know what we should do? We should bike across the Golden Gate Bridge. That would be awesome. I told you I'm kind of a hurried person. So we didn't think it through very much. I mean, like we're not a biking family and we're in our just like hanging out club. We didn't have our spandex on and we didn't have our own bike. You know, we got to rent bikes and we didn't take into consideration that from where we were to getting to the Golden Gate Bridge, getting across the Golden Gate Bridge and then down into Sausalito. It was about a 10 mile bike ride and then like 70% of it is uphill and there's all this traffic and there's all these other bikes. And when you get on the bridge, there's like, crazy wind blowing and you're hundreds of feet above the water. I mean, it's nuts. And we have a seven-year-old with us. <laughs> seven-year-old Bennett, our youngest, our little girl Bennett. We got Bennett in on this. And so <laughs> didn't think it through. So we, yeah, there was a lot of bearing with her. And I mean, there were, it was, yeah, it was tough having her. It slowed us down a bit. There were some pep talks along the way. It got like one point a little tense on the bridge, but we all bore with each other and, and we made it. And, and like to get to the end of that and see the look of adventure and accomplishment on her face and like the celebration we had as a family, it was awesome. And I thought, man, what if, what if we had bailed out on her? Like what if we'd left her alone on the bridge? <laughs> we probably would have got arrested, but it would have ruined everything. And then I realized, this was when it really hit me is I realized, you know what? Bennett wasn't, like we weren't bearing with Bennett. It was Bennett that was bearing with us. Okay, the seven-year-old, she didn't pick these circumstances. She just got thrown into them. And there was a lot of people. I mean, there's like hundreds of people that do this ride. There were no other seven-year-olds. But she had, made, she had made this decision like, I'm not looking for a way out. I'm doing this. So remember, like when you stop looking for a way out, you will find a way forward. When you stop looking for a way to leave, you'll find a way to stay. And that little girl resolved in her heart, in her mind, I am in this all the way to the end. And the one another's in your life, they need that from you. They need to know that no matter what, no matter what the circumstances are like, you are not gonna give up. You are in it all the way to the end. When you do that, it will take back crazy ground in your relationships. And it really is the same thing with the burdens in our lives. Paul writes again about burdens in Galatians. He says to bear one another's burdens. You know what that really means? Bear one another's burdens. It's pretty clear. Because life is hard and heavy sometimes. Sometimes the weight of life can be crushing. And how good is it when someone comes alongside you? and helps you bear that. The loss of a job, financial problems, adultery, death, failure, a loss of faith, anxiety, a loss of hope. How good is it when someone bears that with you? So what if instead of like looking for a way out, we started looking for a way we could bear one another's burdens? What if the next time you see somebody around you that's just struggling with the weight of something, instead of piling a little more weight on by saying, yeah, I told you so, you got exactly what you deserve. What if we chose humility 
and gentleness and patience and looked for a way to bear that with them. It's really simple. Sometimes it's just as simple as, as prayer. Like just being willing to pray, just going to them and just saying, hey, can, can I pray with you? Can I pray for you? Sometimes it's just being present. It's just being willing to just go to where they are. Don't say anything, don't do anything. Just be with them. Or sometimes it is meeting a physical need. Sometimes it's instead of seeing something to be like, you know what, somebody should do something about that. It's like, I'm gonna do something about that. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna say, I'm here. What can I do for you? Maybe it's bringing a meal. Maybe it's taking care of the yard work. Maybe it's getting the car fixed. Maybe it's paying for a bill. But helping with the burden. When you do that, and it changes everything. It gives hope. And it takes back ground. And that's how we do it in our personal relationships, our personal one another's. But it's how we do it right here. Right here at Valley Creek Church in this family. We bear with one another's circumstances and we bear one another's burdens. We don't look for a way out. We find a way forward. We don't look for a way to leave. We find a way to stay. So that's when, not if, you get offended or you offend someone else. You take leaving off the table. It's not an option. And you put on the table humility and gentleness and patience. You will find all kinds of ways to bear with one another. It's when, not if, something changes and you don't like it or somebody sits in your seat, even though we don't have our own seats, and you don't like it, you take the preference off the table and you put on the table humility and gentleness and patience. You will find all kinds of ways to bear with one another. And when we do that, and we do that for a long time, when we're bearing with one another a long time, then we grow up into amazing things. We grow up tall into those strong redwoods, like our relationships go down deep and wide and we foster an environment where we thrive and we foster these relationships where we're protected and we become something that other people are drawn to and they want to see and they want to experience. Maybe that sounds like impossible and overwhelming. Or maybe like me, you're like, I know I can grow. I need to grow in these areas. Or maybe you're sitting here and you feel totally alone today. Like no one is bearing with you. Here's what we can all do is look to Jesus because Jesus is always bearing with you. Jesus is always bearing with you. He has never, ever been looking for a way out. He's always been looking for the way forward. Look what it tells us in Hebrews. He says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. He's never been looking for a reason to leave. He's always been looking for a reason to stay. And that reason is you. Or in Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He does this willingly. He says, come to me. Everything, all the circumstances, all the burdens, every failure, every mistake, every wrong, every wrong done to you, come and give it to me and receive rest, receive hope. I mean, think about the cross. If there was ever a reason for Jesus to find a, like a, a reason to leave, it was the cross. If there was ever a reason to, to look for a way out, it was the cross. But he didn't do that. Even though in Isaiah, Isaiah 53, it says that it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. All of our junk that's piled on him, all of those mistakes, 
all the striving, all the performing, all the failures. What he did is the Bible says he set his face like flint and he went to that cross for you and for me. And maybe this is the first time you're hearing that about Jesus. That you've thought Jesus is mad at you. Jesus doesn't want anything to do with you. When in reality, Jesus has been bearing everything for you and with you. And he wants everything to do with you. Today is your day to all that stuff, all those burdens, all those circumstances, to cast it on him and find hope and life and refreshing. Did you ever think about why, why Jesus had to carry the cross? I mean, it's bad enough that you're getting crucified. You got to carry that cross too? You got to drag that thing? Why? Why would he have to do that? I think that's a prophetic picture of what he's going to do for us all day, every day, for our entire lives. Carrying what we could never carry. Bearing the ultimate load of everything we could never bear. All of our sin. All the striving. All the failure. He took all of that on himself. Say, I will bear this for you. It's Jesus saying, hey, look at me. I got this. It's him telling all of us, hey, I got this. It's him saying to me, Justin, I've got this. It's him saying to you, I've got this. That no matter what you came in here carrying, no matter how miserable it is, how heavy it is, how difficult it is, what Jesus wants to tell you is there is hope. I've got this. And how is that possible? Like how in the world is that possible? It's through love. Let's look back at the verse that we started all this with in Ephesians. It says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Love is the umbrella over all the one another's. Love is at the center. Love is the driver and the motivator. It is Jesus' love for us that drove him to bear anything and everything for us. And it's our love for others that will do the same. That's why Jesus tells us in John, he says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. And there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends, for your one another's. And just as Jesus laid down his life for us, we lay our lives down for the one another's when we're willing to bear with them in love. So Valley Creek, we are not settlers. We are pioneers. So let's not settle for putting up with people. Let's pioneer, let's take ground by bearing with one another in love. That is how we will actually be a movement of hope. That when people come here that are being crushed by their burdens, when people come here and they feel totally alone and abandoned in their circumstances, they find hope that there is Jesus who bore it all for them and that there is a family who will bear it with them. This is how we will take ground in our relationships and find hope through encouragement, through kindness, through peace, through bearing, through love. Let's take back the ground in our relationships. Would you pray with me? So Lord Jesus, we say thank you so much for bearing with us. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you invite us to bring everything to you. And so just right now, Jesus, we do. We say yes, we cast off the burdens and the, the cares and the worries we're carrying. We give those to you. We say thank you. Thank you for bearing that for us. 
And we invite you to fill us up with hope and fill us with humility and gentleness and patience. May we be known, Jesus, as a church that bears like you bear. And may people be drawn to that and find hope in that. May this be a year, Jesus, that is marked by us taking ground in our relationships as we bear with one another in love. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.